Welcome to Faith and Farmers, the Lakeshore Community Podcast, where we will learn the history of this beautiful area and hear the stories from the people who live here, love here, and serve here. I'm your host and friend, Seth Mulder. Let's go to work. So you've never done a podcast before? Come on. I've never done <laughs> It's 2023. This is my first time. <laughs> listen to podcasts, but I've never done uh, Do you, you have favorite podcasts? Do you have like regular podcasts you listen um, to? No. Not really. okay. Don't miss this. I like don't miss this. I don't listen to Don't it. miss this. Oh, wait. Uh, that's the Come Follow Me okay. podcast. Who, who hosts that? David Butler. And okay. Emily Belfry. David Butler. Uh, the author? Mm-hmm. He's a, okay. an institute teacher and an author. Okay. And a awesome. Speaker. Yeah, podcast. There's a... There's a commercial. I don't watch much TV, but I, I saw this commercial recently, you know, and this guy in the business is always like, hey, there's a podcast for that. Any question any coworker has, there's a podcast for that. There's a podcast for that. There's a podcast for that. Podcast for that. <laughs> but it's but true <laughs> today. And that's interesting. Uh, and, I mean, this podcast came to be uh, Faith in Faith and Farmers. I didn't know if you knew it. That's the name of the podcast. I heard about it. Okay. You apparently didn't subscribe while you were out serving your mission. No, we're disappointed, but sorry. <laughs> you couldn't. You were you were the technology specialist, and you couldn't listen to pod, you couldn't mm-hmm. listen to podcasts on the mission. We couldn't listen to. Well, usually we didn't have access to stuff like on our if, out of the office. I didn't have access on just like the regular. Oh, phone that podcasts, makes but. sense. So uh, Bishop Brunlischbacher, you know, had this thought, right? This revelation often comes just this thought and pulled a team together and, and wanted to do a podcast awesome. for Lakeshore. I think it's a great idea. Um, and I really kind of see it like, like the Salt Lake City Airport, if you fly Delta. Because if you don't fly Delta, it's really inconvenient. But, um, <laughs> and I don't really fly a lot of Delta, but it, Salt Lake's a hub, right? Mm-hmm. It's this hub where all these flights are going out and the infrastructure right here in Salt Lake City, but it's going to Helena, Montana. It's going to Atlanta, Georgia. That's, and, and a host of other places, which then, of course, each have their own connections, mm-hmm. right? And right, you could span out and the world. And in our little, you know, lakeshore kind of a way, we're, trying, we're, we're creating a hub of testimony. Mm-hmm. And that testimony, of course, is to bring us together as a community, to let people know a little more about the people that we call brothers and sisters, and maybe to be better brothers and sisters. Also to lay down family history. This is family history for your family, mm-hmm. for your siblings. It's family, you know, it's family history for your parents because they're watching your life and are listening to it, right? Um, and then, of course, it's on a really personal note, family history for you, for you because your grandkids are going to be listening to this podcast and saying, Grandpa, you were so cool. <laughs> I hope I go to Brazil. <laughs> so, so that's why we're here. And we hope that, that that hub of testimony starts to branch out, you know, out of our wonderful little community here to, you know, this community or to this city or, or maybe you share it, you know, with those who are bilingual in, you know, in, in Sao Paulo. Hey, I just did a podcast for our ward, you know, and they listen to it and they subscribe and they start to chain reaction, yeah. gather of Israel. That's a wonderful idea. So no pressure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. No pressure. Awesome. But thanks, McLean. So good to yes. see you. You're looking amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to participate. That's awesome. Really so I'm not even going to like warm up. Okay. I'm going to go, we'll, we'll backtrack maybe, but 
this question was on my heart and mind, and I and I had to ask it to you. I had to ask you mm-hmm. two years ago. You put on a name badge. Mm-hmm. You put on a tag. What did it mean to you to wear that tag for two years? That's a really good question. I think um, I think that it changed throughout the time that I wore it. Throughout the two years, it had a different meaning each day that I put it on. And like I didn't always think about what that tag meant. Um, I would say that at the beginning, it was kind of surreal that you know, I'd always seen missionaries growing up and I had always wanted to be a missionary. Um, and so it was special for me to put on that tag. It was kind of, kind of a new experience to be an elder shepherd like my dad was, and like my grandpa was, and, or I guess um, my dad and his brothers were. And so at the beginning, it was a really cool experience. It was a little bit different to, to kind of get used to, the, to having a missionary tag on, um, especially with my name and with the Lord's name on it. And throughout my mission, that became a very valuable protection. It was like a physical representation of the, of the spiritual calling that, that I had been given. And by the end, I had gone, like, got home on a Friday, and then I, had to, I was released on Saturday morning. And it was one of the hardest things to ever, that I've ever done to take that tag off. I'd realized by the end of my mission that it meant 100 million times more to me than it ever, than it ever done at the beginning just because I learned more about it. So that tag meant a lot to me. And it was really sad for me to take that tag off physically. It's not taken off spiritually, and I hope that it never will be. And um, it, now it means, it means a whole different thing than it did when I started my mission, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. It was hard to take off. It was so hard to take off. <laughs> I'm not going to call it a temptation, but, you know, in, in kind of in a loose word, you know, would you wanted to put it back on. You're like, you're tempted. Like, I just want to put it back on. Mm-hmm. Especially for the first few weeks when I would, you know, dress up in, in Sunday best or go out somewhere. I even actually kept my tag in my, in my suit pocket with me. Um, but it was really hard for me not to put that tag on every single day because I'd just gotten so used to it. And it was something really special to me. And so um, it was really hard to, to not put it back on and to kind of resist the temptation mm. per se. You were tempted. May everybody be tempted to put their missionary tag and, yeah. and, and the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on you every day. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, what did that, if you were in Brazil, you were in which mission? I was in the Sao Paulo East mission. Sao Paulo East mm-hmm. in Brazil where they speak? Portuguese. So how did, what did, if I'm Portuguese and I'm reading your tag, what, what is, like, read it to me. What does that tag say in Portuguese? In Portuguese it says, Elder Shepherd. No, no, I mean like, my name. like Portuguese, Portuguese. In Portuguese. Like, give it to us in Portuguese. The tag says, A Igreja de Jesus Cristo Santos Últimos Dias. Everybody who knows Portuguese is now feeling really good about this <laughs> podcast. They're like, I know, I know what it's saying. Put the tag back on. Um... Did your mission president or mission leaders mm-hmm. give you any counsel or advice before you came home? They did. 
trying to think. It's been a while. But one of the counsels that I was given was actually I've tried to apply a lot is um, to just fill my mind with with the things of the Lord to to focus on on the good things because we will all go through trials in this life and and I think you know personally um, and I'm sure that a lot of people can relate to this there are things that you know happen in in life or things that come into your mind that are not supposed to be there that just you know it's a temptation a sudden temptation and just learning how to think celestial I love I loved President Nelson's talk it was amazing because I'd already been in a way practicing that and trying my best to focus on the Lord and focus on the temple and always be spiritually minded so that was one of the counsels that I was given also in the last night in the in the mission in my mission office before we had got onto the plane to leave. Um, we had a meeting with my mission president. There were like 13 missionaries going home with me on the same, um, on the same two day, in the same two days. And so he had told us all to continue reading the Book of Mormon and to continue going to church and to continue praying. So the most foundational doctrinal practices that we can do are the most important and were the most important for them to pass on to us to stay active members of the church for the rest of our lives. It's interesting. <clears throat> I think that's interesting because as a missionary, you're like, how much time did you dedicate to the Lord out on your mission? All of like it. Percentage, percentage <laughs> I would, wise. I would say, if not 100%, I would say in the upper 80s, 90s percent yeah. out of P-Day, you know? Yeah, P-Day, yeah. <laughs> which, which is your day of preparation so that you can go fulfill it. So I think it's safe to say 100%, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you are the you are the elite, you are the SF, you are the special forces, <laughs> right? Uh, you know you are the elite, uh, you know emissaries of the Lord. We're all member missionaries, but you're 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 giving a special dedication for two years of your life where you're going to say I'm I'm doing nothing, but having an eye single to His glory, and I can do that. I can give all of my time, uh, and you can't do that when you come home and that's actually not the plan right you're supposed to you're supposed to be true stay active gather mm-hmm. Israel think celestial while you go to school while you get an education while you have a relationship while you raise a family right that, that's the plan but you got a unique a unique opportunity here so it's interesting to me that your mission leaders give you give the elite squad their final their final you know uh, tactical plan which is uh, no mystery here like we're not talking about push-ups at 1 a.m. You know, with a rucksack, one-handed, fat. Like, there was nothing crazy about that. What were those three things? Like, what's your elite mission? Here's how you're going to prepare for the mission for the rest of your life. Read the Book of Mormon every day. Go to church and partake of the sacrament every Sunday, and to continue praying. We're physically dropping the mic. Here, I'm actually <laughs> literally dropping. We're, we're dropping the mic. That's a mic drop. Awesome. Those three important things that that any person, not just a return missionary, any person can do to stay active in the church. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't necessarily change. You know, what's, you talked about President Nelson. I talk about uh, the apostles or general authorities or, or uh, you know, uh, whatever calling you are. Whatever your calling is, mm-hmm. what are those three things? <laughs> that is the same three. Exactly. Right? Powerful. Thank you. Of course. So now... 
not having that physical badge, that physical tag designating you as a missionary, people read it and they know, oh, mm-hmm. here comes missionaries. here's the missionaries. That, the <laughs> that elder or that brother, that sister mm-hmm. is a missionary. They are they're they're set apart. How do you keep that? Like how it's it's different now because you don't wear that badge. Yeah. But how is it not different? I think it's not different in the in the discipleship that I was able to create and that I'm still creating um, for my mission. So as a missionary, we don't just like you're not just a missionary because you put on the tackle. You're a missionary because you're set apart with the authority to be a special servant of the Lord and to preach the gospel and to call people to repentance and to help people come unto the Savior through baptism. And so as a missionary, especially, um, you know, through all the trainings that we receive and through Preach My Gospel and and all of the things that we have to learn to do to complete the missionary work, um, after doing them for two years, every day for two years, they become kind of ingrained into your soul as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so I think, you know, along with those those three councils that my mission president and his wife gave to us. Um, those are the are the tools that we need to use to continue being missionaries, even without having a tag on. So if we still study every day, if we still take time to go to the temple, if we still emphasize our temple covenants, and if we try to serve others, maybe not as you know full time representatives of the Lord, we can't go out and preach the gospel. We don't really even have that authority as as you know, return missionaries to go out and, and preach the gospel and call people to repentance like we did before. But we can still find those opportunities to help people come closer to Christ. And we can still find those opportunities to serve. Um, even if it's just something as random as, as helping somebody lift something on the street or, or sitting by somebody in church who's sitting alone, we can always um, help people feel the love of the Savior which is not always easy to do <laughs> as, as a return missionary. Sometimes, um, you know, life gets in the way and it becomes busy or, or sometimes we get a little bit blinded by all, the, all of the things that happen around us. But um, I think that finding each and every opportunity and then taking those opportunities to help people come closer to the Savior is an important part of continuing to be a missionary without having a tag on. Mm-hmm. So something that I've been thinking about recently is, is how can I you know, still be a disciple of the Lord? How can I still help people come closer to Christ? Because that is the essence of missionary work, is helping people come unto the Savior. I've never recommended, well, I don't remember recommending ever, anybody ever do this, and certainly not on this podcast, but as you're, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about uh, this great talk, and, and I don't remember the title of the talk, uh, but Elder Neely Maxwell gave some incredible addresses at BYU. That's, I'm going to throw that out there, not as advice, not as counsel, yeah, right? counsel. but just as an idea. It's here on the table. Take it or leave it. Uh, but, but you might enjoy uh, going to speeches.byu.edu, mm-hmm. and then you can search by, by author or by speaker. And uh, there was a time where I went through every one of those talks that he ever gave at BYU. About, I don't know, 10, 20, 30. But, but just listening to you, I kind of reminded of, of, of the things that he was saying about becoming a true disciple of Jesus Christ and knowing his character. 
meek and lowly. Anyway, there's some incredible gems there. I'll just throw it out. It's not a podcast, so. Um, what have you learned about the character of Jesus Christ? How has your relationship with him changed in the last three years, right? That's a very deep emotional question. Yeah. And so I'm asking you to say it. <laughs> um, I just like to say disclaimer. Like the things that I say, I'm not like, I still have a lot to work on myself and I, and I realize that. And I, you know, the things that I've learned, I can still learn way more than, than I could have on my mission. I think that's the beauty of, of being a return missionary and being a member of the church is that we can continue to learn these precious truths. Um, but you're, you're basically trying to give the humble disclaimer. <laughs> I get it exactly, <laughs> and at the same time, you never have to apologize <laughs> for the light that emanates from you. Thank you. So thank you, thank you. Um, but coming back to the question about the character of Christ, I had some very personal, very special experiences with the Savior that I was hoping to have, but not expecting in the way that I would have them. I went on a mission because yes, it was expected of me, you know, being from, from Utah and being a member of the church all of my life. I did feel that expectation. It's not a bad thing to feel that expectation because the prophet said it's our priesthood responsibility to, to serve um, and dedicate those years to the Lord. And um, I think that I, I definitely achieved that that purpose of of gaining a testimony of of the Savior and His Gospel, and so I think one of the most important lessons um, that I learned about the Savior was how incredible His atonement is, and how incredible it was for Him to be perfect, perfect in every single way that he suffered for us, that he descended below everything that we could ever do in this lifetime so that we can one day live again. And one of the very first experiences that I had with the Savior was actually in my first mission. I was reassigned for two months to the Charlotte, North Carolina mission because of COVID, so I didn't get my visa right away. But I spent two months in North Carolina and I had an experience there that left me um, feeling really scared. There were there were um, some things that that I knew were trying to shake me as a young green missionary, as a young missionary in the field. And I remember one night um, remembering a scripture out of nowhere, which is John fourteen twenty seven. That says, um, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid." And in that very instant, I felt the peace of the Savior. And every time I would feel maybe a, a trace of, of Satan's power, I would feel temptation, I would feel nervous or scared, I would think of that scripture, and it was like the Savior was standing right there in front of me, talking to me. And I was filled with peace, and everything else would just disappeared. And so that was one of the, the first times that I had a really personal experience with, with the Savior Jesus Christ and with His peace. That was one of the first lessons that I learned about how, how much pure peace that He brings into our lives. And there were several other experiences that I had. I can't remember all of them, but I think 
Um, there were just little small things. For example, I loved listening to music. I loved starting my study every single day listening to one of the songs from the Tabernacle Choir from conference. And um, I loved the songs about the Savior, especially This Is the Christ. I love that song. And, and truly imagining the Savior descending in front of me like he did in the Nephites, to the Nephites, and, and feeling the wounds in his hands and feeling that love that he has for me. So I learned a lot about Jesus Christ in my mission, and that's one of the most precious, precious gifts that, that I received from being his, his missionary. How would you say you, the way that you look at people has changed, or ha- has it changed um, your ability to see people or see their potential? Did that change for you on your mission? I think it did change. Um, especially as a missionary, I could see, I could feel the love for the Savior. Um, and it wasn't always like that. I had to pray for that love. I had to pray to love those people. And I truly did love those people like the Savior would. And I could see how much better their lives could be with the gospel. Um, Sometimes we take for granted how amazing our lives are because of the gospel. It's just so commonplace in our lives that we don't really see its effects as much. But I think that's one of the cool things as missionaries is that we can see that potential. And that when, when that potential is realized, then a missionary has the ability to see that that person is ready to come into the Savior through baptism. And that was like one of the coolest things that I ever experienced is seeing when a person is truly ready, when they have repented to, to, to follow the Savior. Um, and I think that it has changed the way that I see other people now. I think that I can, I have more empathy for others and for what they're going through. Um, and I think that's also something that I can develop a lot more is seeing others through the lens of the Savior putting on my Jesus goggles, as one of my companions said. <laughs> Put on my Jesus goggles to see other people like he would. Speaking of companions, what was that like? Having a companion who is not a sibling, you know, you're not hanging out with a sibling, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, two years of your life. I would say that it was emotional roller coaster a lot of the time. <laughs> um, and never that I had any bad companions. They were all amazing companions. That We've interviewed them all and they agreed the with you. So you, you <laughs> That's <was> perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. I think that, you know, there has to be um, a lot of communication with companionships. You know, you're stuck together 24 hours of, of the day. And um, of course, there were, there were times when one or the other would get frustrated or or if something would happen and you wouldn't see an issue the same way or, or, or something like that. And um, I would just have to remember to, to love my companions and understand what they might be going through, the hard things that they were going through as either a new missionary or, or learning something in the mission field and being able to forgive. I think that was one of the big lessons I learned is being able to forgive and let go. It doesn't matter in the internal scheme of things, so we'll just resolve it and let go of it. Did you have favorite companionships? I did. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have, but I did have one. <laughs> really what, what, what do you think? 
I had, well, my trainer. I loved being with my trainer. He's from Utah, he's from Kaysville, Elder Far. And I really, really enjoyed. We only spent together, uh, we were only together for one transfer, which was sad. But I really enjoyed being his companion because he pushed me in a way that got me out of my comfort zone, but didn't make me feel like I was not good at, at missionary work or that I was incapable. Um, and that really helped me as a young missionary. So I really enjoyed being his companion. Wow, what a great episode. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out the next installment of Faith and Farmers, the Lakeshore Community Podcast. I'm your host and friend, Seth Mulder. Until next time, keep up the good work.